Welcome to Real Tech Hours, the podcast where we talk about tech during real tech hours. Today we will start with real Elon hours and then move on to Samsung's coming devices. Then we will talk about the FCC and end with real tech minutes. As always, if you have a question, comment, topic you want to see discussed, or you just want to reach out, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. That is realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter at realtechhours to stay up to date with the podcast. So first and foremost, uh, it sounds like it is. I do indeed have a cold of some kind. It uh, started developing back on um, Saturday. Uh, just kind of out of nowhere, suddenly randomly hit me. My throat was super irritated. I don't know. And basically, now nah, I've got coronavirus. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, uh, so if I pause here and there, it's just me grabbing a drink. We do have a long script for today's podcast, uh, talking about some interesting topics. Um, starting off with Tesla's stock, later we'll cover FCC, uh, net neutrality, and some bigger wireless carriers as part of a project moving for school. But anyways, uh, bear with me on this one. We're going to duke it out here on uh, Monday midday. Very strange time to be recording. Um, but it is what it is. Anyways, as I said, let's start today off with real Elon hours. One of my favorite subjects to insert into any conversation when applicable is Tesla. We have talked a lot about the company recently with this segment lasting the back half of last week's show. One of the most discussed topics right now is their stock price. With massive climbs recently, let's take a look at some numbers. So I went here and pulled, and I, I mean, I, I thought it was going I thought it was going berserk. Just wait until until we talk about today. Just wait until we talk about today. So first, obviously, um, hit you with some numbers and some dates. So the stock was at 254 back on October 23rd uh, of 2019. In in May of 2019, the stock was at 158. So let's let's start uh, at at it was like 160 ish back in May. I didn't write the number down, but that was like kind of the low point. Was, was May last year, so then it's already up to 254. Back on October 23rd, uh, October 25th, it hits 328. This was about the chilling price that Tesla stock had been like bouncing up to, and then and then going back down. And and 300 was about the magic number uh, back before um, Elon and the whole 420 and the going private scandal. Anyways, so the stock price hits 330 on December 5th. Then on December 26th, the stock climbs to 430 dollars. On December 30th, it goes down to $414. On January 2nd, it shoots back up to $430. January 8th, it's up to $492. And here it's skyrocketing. January 14th, it's $537. January 23rd, it's $572. January 29th, it's $580. January 30th, it's $643. I mean, I thought we'd seen the peak. Like, this is like, these are monstrous climbs. Then uh, today, as of this morning at 7.44 a.m., which is when I finished writing the script, it was at 6.50.57. And right now, nine minutes ago, I checked the stock price because I got an alert. I get alerts from my phone, obviously. You know, I got the Pixel. absolutely love it. Google, you know, they just suck up all this data, and they send me fantastic notifications. And one of the ones that I've been starting to get daily is a, a watch list of stocks, and on there was Tesla, the highest jump I've ever ever seen it went from six hundred and fifty dollars and fifty seven cents this morning at seven forty one AM to seven hundred and eighty dollars as of five thirty one PM today. Five thirty one PM today that's less than twelve hours and hundred and twenty nine dollars 
and uh, what is that? Forty-three cents, because it was literally seven eighty even when I checked. Holy cow! That is ridiculous. Oh my lord! I wish I'd spoil myself back on my birthday, and because my birthday's in May, and obviously May thirty-first, I think is the date of the lowest point in the stock price, one hundred fifty-seven something dollars. I would have bought that junk. I would have bought it. I should have could have bought a couple shares, and now I'd be rolling in the dough. I'd I'd sell that junk off. I would have sold it back off when it hit six hundred, hitting seven eighty. Oh my lord! If you have, if you have monster gains in Tesla, sell, sell, sell. I mean, it, it's crazy. This. I don't have any shares of Tesla, so I don't. I don't tell you what to do. I'm not betting against him. But I'm telling you, this stock price is ridiculous. There's just no way that this is sustainable. These kinds of these kinds of growth over just a a month. It's nuts. It's nuts. So so what's happening with the stock price in ludicrous mode? Let me throw out a few ideas as to why everyone suddenly loves Tesla so much. So first we got Gigafactory 3. Obviously opens in Shanghai, unlocking the potential of the Chinese market to its near fullest extent. It's going to improve production rates across the company, and it could even expand to cover the entire Asian continent in terms of producing vehicles for that area. So, so that's obviously crazy. And then Gigafactory 4, it's it's got the potential to tap a very welcoming market even more efficiently. You know, Europe is a monstrous place. Northern Europe, lots and lots of Tesla vehicles get sold in Northern Europe. A, a a majority of some of these vehicle markets are purely Tesla at this point. It's like Norway has like some crazy percentage of all their vehicles being Teslas. It's it's ridiculous. But just having a, a Gigafactory 4 over there, it'll give Tesla an even high, a very high market penetration into some of the upper European markets, um, which could increase adoption rates just across the board. You can see f f through the roof, through the roof purchases and delivery and demand. Right, um, the Model Y release. All right, so new products signal new markets, new consumer segments to target, more potential buyers. Obviously, all that is good stuff. Improvements to supercharger network, uh, faster charging rates through version three infrastructure, more locations opening often, planned well in advance. Obviously, all these things are are um, making Tesla's more accessible to the public, making them easier for people to use, and making them people easier for people to charge their vehicles and charge them faster. Um, and then improved ability to produce and deliver vehicles, obviously. No, and so it, looking back at the end of the year, notice how we saw much less stress on end of the quarter pushes than we did in quarter three. I remember quarter three, 2019, I felt every single week at the end of the quarter for like the last four weeks, I saw so many articles about Elon put out this email of the company. This executive said this. This is what the current goals are. Here's how close we are. Here's push, push, push. The the freaking customers are showing up and helping deliver some of these vehicles. And I mean, it's just crazy, crazy stuff. And we didn't even see nearly half of that at the end in December in quarter four. And so let's talk about quarter four. Quarter four earnings call happened. And I mean, this this has caused a monstrous climb in the stock price. Uh, it was it, it was it was crazy. Profitability beat expected uh, on the on the estimates and increased over last quarter, which is always fantastic. So Tesla's always had you know history of of difficulty beating profitability and, and improving profitability quarter over quarter. And they were profitable for two quarters last year. 
They're not profitable for the next two, or sorry, uh, for quarter one they, and then quarter four. Quarter four 2018 and quarter four, quarter one 2019, they were profitable. Quarter two 2019 and quarter three 2019, they were not profitable by a large margin. Quarter four, they're profitable. And then, or sorry, I'm getting them wrong. No, one, two, yeah, because so this past quarter. So, um, last two quarters of 2018, profitable. First two quarters of 2019, massively unprofitable. Second two quarters of 2019, so third and fourth, massive profitability and improve on revenue and um, earnings per share. So revenue was up. So the expected was 7.02 billion. The actual was 7.38 billion. Uh, obviously, that's a pretty big jump of 360. Million. I mean, that's crazy. Earnings per share. So, uh, for those of you who aren't more familiar with the term, earnings per share basically means when they take how much they made in the in the quarter and they divide it by the number of shares the company currently has uh, outstanding or, or available to purchase on the stock market. How how much cash do they make per share of stock? And so it was expected to be at a dollar seventy-two, and it was actually two fourteen uh, adjusted. Which is pretty good. It's it's really good. Go and check out some other uh, earnings per share of of other companies. Like let's just see, let's see Toyota, EPS. If if it'll give it to me, earnings per share 2019 is what I need. Um. So obviously Toyota, uh, pretty big incumbent. Their uh quarter ending in September 30th, 2019, was 3.86. So I mean they're just they're over half. Over half of the uh, um, of, of one of the of the largest toy, I believe Toyota is is second now and behind Tesla in terms of uh, market valuation. And Toyota's been around for a really long time, so they're able to get those operating uh, margins as wide as possible with their with their operating costs low and, and their and their expenses low. So three eighty six compared to two fourteen. I mean. Tesla's rapidly closing the gap there. Tesla's rapidly closing the gap. Um, they expect continued climbs in free cash flows and profitability from here on out. Uh, they saw increases in other segments of the business as well. So energy deployment was up by 26% at 54 megawatt or 54 megawatts, uh, contributing 436 million dollars in revenue. Service and other business was up, up, up to 580 million dollars in revenue. That's huge. Um, the they announced the Model Y was already beginning the production ramp. It's starting in production. They've got low volumes and they're getting ready to go. Model Y, we're gonna see it soon. Uh, they expect delivery vehicles in twenty twenty. So that's this year. Delivery, deliveries in this year. Deliveries in this year. Okay. Over half a million, exceeding five hundred thousand was the exact phrase that they used in the thing. They comfortably see it exceeding 500,000 that's crazy that's crazy just I mean if you think back like their last quarter like this quarter that we're talking about here quarter four they delivered 112,000 if they delivered 112,000 vehicles for all four quarters last year they wouldn't even hit 500,000 so I can only imagine being able to boost deliveries to 125,000 per quarter or better because they said it comfortably exceed 500,000. So, I mean, you got to deliver at least 125,000 vehicles every single quarter to meet 500,000, which is crazy. And then they talked about expansion in the physical space. They added 4% more stores over the last quarter, which is a 13% year-over-year growth. 
uh, service fleet at a 3% over last quarter, 81% year-over-year growth. Obviously, that's a big issue for them. A lot of people think and complaining about long wait times in terms of getting their vehicles repaired. So this has been a big push for them. 81% year-over-year growth. That is no joke. They're putting their money where their mouth is, and they're still making money at the same time. It's crazy. Supercharged stations are up 10% over last quarter, 28% year-over-year. Must also announced that they were close to a Model S capable of 400 miles per charge. Uh, if you check the configurator on the website, it currently sits at 373 miles of range. I mean, oh, 400 miles per charge. It's really not even necessary, but still, people want it. Um, so obviously, you know, I I went off I mentioned a bunch of things here: G new gigafactories, new products, improvements to infrastructure, their quarter four earnings call. Uh, I'm sure there are other factors of work here as well. Some people just joining the hype train, driving the stock price. I mean, I wrote through the roof. This uh, stock price punched a hole in the ceiling and floored it to Mars. I mean, this is ridiculous. Seven hundred eighty dollars. Seven hundred eighty dollars. Seven hundred eighty. Has it even gone up since since we've been talking here? Like, it, no, it's still chilling. It's still still chilling at seven eighty. It's expected to you know bounce around a little bit as it does. Uh, it's currently after hours trading. Um, the stock market is closed. You know, people can still buy and sell shares and whatever. So it's so it's called after hours trading. Anyways, um, with that out of the way, let's talk. Let's move on. The rest of real Elon hours. Tesla has unveiled new wheel options for the Model Y, Uber turbine, and induction wheels. After first showcasing these designs in 2016 alongside the Model 3, they're finally ready for release. The 20-inch induction wheels will be available on all Model Y variants at launch, while the 21-inch Uber turbine wheels will only be available on the Performance Edition. Uh, JK Moving Services, a Tesla semi-reservation holder, said it expected the first deliveries of the vehicle to occur in the second half of 2020 or earlier. The company has placed a pre-order for 10 vehicles about their CEO visited the, after their CEO visited the plant. So, um, I, you know, in terms of the wheels, that's cool and all. I just kind of saw it on there, and, and I just kind of like the names of them. I'm going to release more wheel designs since they uh, showcased these designs back in 2016. It's cool that they're finally bringing these to market. Um... But the more important, interesting thing here is the Tesla Semi, and you can throw this on the list of reasons that the stock price is uh, continuing to climb, because now we're moving into B2B selling. So what is B2B? Business to business. So Tesla went and sold vehicles to the government, that's B2B selling. If Tesla went and sold vehicles to, let's say, Uber wanted to launch an all-Tesla fleet, that'd be business to business selling um, and 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 that's gonna be very profitable for them this Tesla semi they have lots and lots of reservations already for this vehicle and if they deliver on the specs that they're promising this vehicle will be crazy and companies will will clamor to get this thing because not only will it be a better performing vehicle across the lifetime of the vehicle compared to what's currently available on the market it will also be a better capital investment over the time because it will, it, it, while vehicles depreciate in value, Tesla's also appreciate in value, thanks to Tesla Autopilot, which will come in the Tesla Semi. So eventually this vehicle will be self-driving. So they're basically investing in having ultra-efficient uh, delivery infrastructure and, 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 and shipping infrastructure down the road. And I mean, this is crazy. This is so... Uh, 
it's so crazy. It's so crazy that we're going to get to see. I can't wait to see more about the Tesla Semi here. And and, and obviously, you know, like I mentioned, they're going to they expect the first deliveries to occur in the second half of 2020 or earlier, depending on production timelines. So it'd be cool. Um, a fun fact really quick about Tesla production. A Tesla Model 3 goes from rolled aluminum to a finished vehicle in 48 hours. Kimball Musk, Elon Musk's brother and a board member on Tesla brought up the topic on third row Tesla on the third row tesla podcast elon musk also dropped an edm track titled don't doubt your vibe i just threw those together i thought it was funny when he dropped that um he's released something before um this is the second one but anyways with that all the way let's talk about the competitors for a bit gm has appointed lebron james a face of the coming electric hummer some of the specs mentioned in the ad that aired during yesterday's super bowl were 0 to 60 in 3 seconds, 1,000 horsepower, 11,500 pounds of pound-feet of torque. Um, the vehicle will be produced in Michigan, GM's Detroit, Hamtramck, Tra- I don't know how to say it, Hamtramck, Hamtramck assembly plant, which will only produce electric vehicles. The vehicle is set to be unveiled May 20th, 2020, and will begin deliveries in fall 2021. Lucid Motors is going to host an unveiling event of the production vehicle, the Lucid Air, as well as their flagship showroom in Silicon Valley. The CEO will be at the event, which is only available by being a reservation holder. So obviously invite only. The schedule, the event is scheduled for February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. We've been talking a lot about Lucid Motors recently, so uh, they've been in the news. They've been making headlines for for having Lucid Airs and and the production models going under testing and or getting close to going under testing, I should say, and um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what they pull off here. So February 13th, that'll be day. Ten days to watch out. Or ten days until then. we got to watch out for that. Um, so recently, things have been uphill for fighting intelligent life among traditional audio auto manufacturer executives. I'm talking a lot. A lot of real rant hours in the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, just constantly bashing some of these executives for saying the stupidest stuff that you could possibly hear. But here we have a, a shining light in the darkness, uh, a guy by the name of Dirk Abendroth. I probably just butchered that name. Anyways, he's a CEO for or CTO for Continental, Chief Technical, Chief Technol, Technological Officer. Sorry, God bless. Speaking is difficult. So this guy stated that EVs truly are a revolutionary product. He believes that the investments in EVs has only just begun and will continue to ramp up, considering uh, the massive investment we talked about from GM and seeing that the uh, the electric Hummer is coming and, and everything like that. I'd say he's right on the money with this one. Um, you know, we're just going to continue to see. Like, Lucent Motors is about to come out with their dealie. Other companies are securing big, big, big investments and whatnot. So, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to kind of watch this. And finally, for real Elon hours, UPS has brought, bought 10,000 electric vans uh, in a partnership with Waymo. So the, the program will have the self-driving cars run packages from UPS locations to storing facilities. The vehicles will be made by an EV company arrival who has been working with UPS since 2016. And obviously Waymo will provide the self-driving portion of the car. They'll retrofit it with the sensors and, and whatnot and um, provide the software that will run it on the back end. Um, so here's just another, you know, just another <laughs> example of investments being made into EVs. 
Now let's talk about Samsung for a bit. The Galaxy Z Flip has allegedly leaked in a video on Twitter showing the design of the phone and how it opens. Pretty interesting. You know, give it a search if you want to see that. It just flips open like the Motorola Razr does. Um, but unlike the Motorola Razr, the spec sheet on this device is fairly impressive, I have to say. Um, so first off, 6.7 inch Full HD AMOLED Flex display. They got 10 megapixel f2.4 infinity o selfie camera uh, so it's kind of like a hole punch screen it's going to be front front and center at the top just like the note 10 is now uh, they've got a 1.06 inch always on front preview display so when you fold the phone closed on that that front facing piece just like the um i'm pretty sure razor does have something similar uh, they have a they have a uh, a little preview window where you can kind of see um, some. It basically kind of shows you just in general time and and what and temperature and, and date and those kinds of things. But it might also have some other functionality. We'll have to just wait and see uh, at Samsung's unboxed event. Um, it also has dual rear cameras instead of a triple camera setup. It's got a 12 megapixel 1.8 primary and a 12 megapixel f. 2.2 ultra wide. The device will be featuring Qualcomm Snapdragon 855 Plus, 8 gigs of RAM, 250 gig, 256 gigs uh, of UFS 3.0 storage with a micro SD card slot, and a 3,300 milliamp hour battery. Um, I know we talked about last time that that they were thinking that this device is going to come in around $1,400, and I said, you know, I, I bet it's going to come in lower. Um, but it actually kind of makes sense for it to come in at fourteen hundred dollars. I I saw on, on somebody on Twitter mention uh, the Motorola Razr, which starts at fifteen hundred. I'm pretty sure it's fourteen ninety nine for taxes, and it comes out to like sixteen something after tax. So, you know, starting at fourteen hundred dollars would be an actually competitive price point, and and with this spec sheet, it blows the Razr out of the water. Um. So, uh, yeah, it, we'll just have to wait and see on the, on the price. I'm kind of up in the air. I'd like to see it lower than 1400 but 1400 could make sense. Um, it also appears that all the upcoming Galaxy S-Series phones, which we will also see at Galaxy Unboxed, will use a Snapdragon 865 and have 12 gigs of RAM after Geekbench scores for the devices appeared online. You can also revert, reserve your spot in line to pre-order one of the new Galaxy devices right now. Now, Samsung has a page on their website asking for a name and an email address to reserve your place in line, and you'll be notified when pre-orders go live. Speaking of pre-orders, the Galaxy S Book is available for pre-ordering now. Starting at $9.99, the device is claimed to be ultra-portable with the ability to go 23 hours on a single charge. It will also run a Snapdragon 8. CX, the second major device behind Microsoft Surface X to run on a new generation Snapdragon chipset, moving away from Intel or AMD. Um, next, uh, okay, so all this is pretty interesting. You know, we're just kind of in a holding pattern. It's not a lot of really groundbreaking news in terms of Samsung. We're waiting on the Galaxy unboxing event, which is coming soon, coming soon, coming soon. So keeping an eye out for that. I'm ready for that. I'm super excited. Anyways. Next, I want to look at the FCC. While I have covered some topics on broadband carriers in the past, I recently found out that I'll be doing a case on one for a class I'm taking. So I'm trying to familiarize myself with the market, and I started reading some articles that I could find. 
What I ended up discovering is the FCC has no clue what they're doing. So obviously a while ago, a big topic of debate was the FCC killed net neutrality. Um, Ajit Pai, the FCC chairman, claimed that it would it would be a massive unlock in in the terms of reinvestments that you would see placed into infrastructure by some of these companies who claim they're being held back by net neutrality. Um, and they claim these reinvestments into the infrastructure would not only improve it, but expand it to areas that it previously did not reach. Unfortunately, it is shown to have the exact opposite effect. Who could have guessed that deregulation of monopolies would cause them to cut costs and improve profit margins? So uh, a lot of these companies had their earnings calls recently um, in terms of last quarter. And let's take a look at some of the numbers. So AT&T cut capital expenditures by more than $1.6 billion in 2019, with another $3 billion expected in 2020. So what are capital expenditures? Capital expenditures is basically the term that companies use for the money they use, they spend on investments in the business. So let's say they go out and AT&T wants to um, bring their, their products and services. Let's say they want to give a town uh, access to their internet uh, program. Let's say they want to install fiber somewhere in Missouri, for example. Just, you know, maybe there's a town in Missouri that doesn't have AT&T fiber. So they're going to spend money, obviously, to expand AT&T fiber. They've got to, they've got to spend the infrastructure. They've got to spend the, uh, the money on the infrastructure. So they've got to bring the fiber connection out there. They've got to, they've got to, uh, make the way for the fiber lines and, and lay all that groundwork and, and install service center or, and, and put um, sales reps out in that area and, and bring on people who will, um, you know, be able to service those areas. So, so capital expenditures covers them laying the foundation in, into that area. It, it covers um, all the infrastructure that they build, such as like laying those fiber cables, uh, and 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 they they declined in terms of investments. So, so what's happening here? And even on top of that, they dropped their employment by seven point six percent, resulting in a loss of over twenty thousand jobs. I mean. Holy crap, like they're just cutting costs left and right here. And on the other hand, while we have Verizon increasing capital expenditures by $1.2 billion in 2019, they don't see capital expenditures being outside of their current range. So they reported that they were 7.9 um, in 2019, but for 2020, they say they're going to be between 17 and $18 billion. Verizon also decreased its labor force by 9,000 people. So where are these massive reinvestments we were supposed to see from the kind of net neutrality? I mean, it's just not happening. Comcast also joined the cutting by reducing their capital expenditures by 10.5% from 7.7 .7 billion to 6.9 billion in 2019. This didn't stop revenue from rising, however, which jumped by 2.1 billion year over year. Luckily for us, they break down some of the expenditure reports so we can get a better idea of where the money is getting cut. Three of the four categories they saw spending cuts in are line extensions, so like we were talking about, costs associating with entering new service areas, scalable infrastructure, which is basically uh, providing additional bandwidth and other service improvements. So if they go back into an area and they and they improve some of the existing hardware, or they do some training on some of the employees, scalable infrastructure. Um, and then spending on customer premises equipment, so the modem they place in your house, the cable box if you've got it, all those kinds of things 
those all declined. The area that's spending rose, however, was in support capital. So they defined support capital as land, buildings, vehicles, office equipment, tools, and test equipment. Um, Pi, or G. Pi, the FCC chairman, also recently made a change to their new Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, which is supposed to provide assistance to places that need help expanding their infrastructure. Unfortunately for many, the fund comes with a provision that bans funding being allocated to places that are already receiving money from any similar federal or state broadband subsidy program. According to Jeffrey Starks, the Democratic FCC commissioner, this provision is so vague that it could include nearly 30 states. Pi claims this is to help the fund focus on those who are not currently being served. Um, and the, the plan will come in multiple phases. So phase one would be exclusively to those who are not already receiving funding, with a cap at $16 billion of the total, $20.4 billion in the fund. Phase two would then use whatever is remaining to expand on any area that would be improved for funding. And and they said that they could also expand this budget if they see the need improving beyond what they already estimate. But it's like um, the FCC here is, is throwing out these money, this money in these um, in these uh, uh, funds for states to use when the companies who are going to receive these funds in forms of payments aren't expanding the infrastructure themselves. So it's like they're basically just handing them free money at this point. The companies are are walking away and not spending any of their own money, any of the revenue they make. Which is making them fatter margins, and 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 the only person who benefits out of this is a person who owns stock in in any one of these companies, and and to top it off, of course, uh, a G Pi claim that some carriers are still illegally selling phone location data despite claiming to have stopped back in 2018. So massive data leak, a, a security flaw that was exposed uh, back in 2018, showed the real-time locations of some U.S. cell phone customers on all four major carriers in 2018. Verizon, AT&T, Motherboard, and Sprint all pledged to stop selling data to third parties. An investigation by Motherboard last month revealed that T-Mobile and Sprint, T-Mobile, Sprint, and AT&T are still selling the location data, though. Pi is not disclosed who broke the law, which law they broke, or how they plan to punish the companies. But fear not, though, as the FCC is still focused on the most pressing issues, of course. As major broadband providers continue to cut investments and lie to consumers, the FCC is trying to find one man $13 million for making 6,000 robocalls. The person was using the calls to gain publicity for themselves, often through a political angle, and sometimes made rather racist remarks. Fortunately for the FCC, they don't have the best track record for collecting on such fines. Of the estimated $208.4 million in fines they've handed out through this program, They've collected $6,790 to date. <laughs> I mean, if this doesn't show you the FCC is just running around like a chicken with their head cut off, I mean, I don't know what is. They, they claim that net neutrality is going to unlock massive, massive amounts of investments in these areas, and all companies are doing is cutting spending while the FCC is making it harder for for areas in the country to receive extra funding and then to top it off they're over here finding people 13 million dollars uh one person 13 million dollars on which they will most likely never collect so now let's wrap it up it's time for real tech minutes starting off today is huawei who claims they won't go back to using 
Android, even if the trade ban lifts. They're working hard at creating an Android-based OS that will run very similar to current Android. Um, obviously, this is based on open-source Android code, and it will make it easier for current app developers to bring their apps to the new ecosystem. It is yet to be seen how this change will affect their bottom line, as Google Play Services is essential to the Android ecosystem. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole thing about them missing Android is not being able to access Google Play Services, which is the App Store and and all of the G Suite that comes with it, the Google, uh, the Gmail, the, the Docs, the all, all that kinds of stuff. Um, a Chinese company named. Uh, bear with me here. I believe it's Zhao Jin has released a consumer CPU and will be available for purchase on Taobao in March. It is rated as 70 watt TDP with 8 cores and 8 threads. It is also running an older architecture using 16 nanometer processing nodes and an L2 cache instead of an L3. It will be sold. It will also be sold in a combo package with the only motherboard that will support it at the time. Um, but, so why did I throw this in here? You know, it's more interesting to see somebody throwing in products other than AMD or Intel. Um, Google has officially opened the ADT3 developer kit to be purchased on ASCII. Uh, this is Google's latest test with Android 10 and Android TV. The product description states that the device is intended for developer use, but there's no verification process to stop people from buying it. It is available for $79 plus a $15 shipping fee. Google is also working on live transcription in its Google Translate app. While the feature will most likely be cloud-based, requiring an internet connection as real-time translation has proved to be tougher to crack than initially expected. While it could eventually migrate to on-device processing, as they've been recently pushing, the scope of evaluating an entire conversation at is progressing. To not only translate in real-time, but to go back and correct errors proves to be a major task. Apple has officially released their redesign of maps used in Apple Maps. The new maps are supposed to run faster, have less bugs, include more detail than before, and, and sorry, and include more detail than before. While the version of Street View is only available in a few cities, the new maps have rolled out to the entire US with Europe to be next and then the rest of the world to follow. A new report about Apple also shows the company will be releasing multiple new products in the first half of this year. While the rumored iPhone SE2 is among them, the others include AirTag, a towel competitor, refreshed iPad Pro models, refreshed MacBook Pro and or MacBook Air models, a set of wireless, of high-end wireless headphones, and a small wireless charging mat. And with that, we will finish up today's Real Tech Hours. Today, we started with Real Elon Hours and then moved on to Samsung's coming devices. And then we talked about the FCC and ended with Real Tech Minutes. As always, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find it on Anchor.fm, Breaker, CastBox, Radio Public, Overcast, and Tune In. As always, if you have a question, comment, topic you want to see discussed, or you just want to reach out, send an email to realtechhourspodcast.gmail.com. That is realtechhourspodcast.gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Real Tech Hours to stay up to date with the latest podcast news and updates. Thank you for joining me during these Real Tech Hours, and I will catch you all next time. Peace.